So, morning. How are you? This side are good. I wasn't sure about the side over here, but we'll work on it. Okay, so um, kind of following on from last week, how have you got on listening out for the still small voice? That gentle whisper of heaven. And I wonder, have you made any progress in recognizing and distinguishing all those other different voices that, that we, we talked about competing for our attention? Have you been able to apportion those off a little bit and say, okay, well, maybe that's not a voice I should be listening to, and perhaps that one is? And then my third question, I think, is, is what about that inward witness? We talked about that check in the spirit, that, that sense of peace or, or unsettledness that, that God just puts in there. I wonder if anybody's changed direction at all this week in response to that inward witness. So we're, we're in week three, about halfway through a series on, on the prophetic, or, or looking at all things. Prophetic, the prophetic is an, is an umbrella term uh, that covers all the different ways, and there are many different ways, that God speaks to us. Last week, uh, we looked at the prophetic ear, which was, which was how to hear and how to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit, again, amongst all those competing voices. Last week, I said that there were three main ways that God speaks to us. The first one is through his word, his written word, Bible, scripture. Second one is through that inward witness that I've just talked about. And the third one is through the still small voice. There's a difference between those two. Last week I looked at numbers two and three. This week I want to zoom in on the first one. How does God speak to us through his word? But as a, as a sort of loosener, I just want to test out your prophetic eye. Uh, today's message is the prophetic eye. So if, if Matt could put up the next slide. Okay. So on the, your right there, my left, that's Eric. Still called Eric. Oh, he can't believe it or not. He's got a little tag to prove it. And then we've got um, Henry and, and Brody. So, so the question is, looking through your prophetic eye, how many dogs do you see? Because I see five. No, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. <laughs> Don't yeah, pray for us. Three's plenty. Okay, so moving on. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Amen. Verse 130, the entrance and unfolding of your words give light. To start off with the kickoff, just four sort of introductory premises. Number one, God wants to speak to you through his word. Number two, we really need to hear what he has to say. Number three, God, God sent his Holy Spirit to be our teacher, to bring that word to life to make it real and effective, to, to apply it to our heart and to our lives. And then number four, sort of topping that off, is we need to learn to walk in the Spirit. 
so that we can see with our prophetic eye what God wants us to see. John 14, 26. This is the Passion Translation. But when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name. And he will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. Then a couple of chapters later, John 16, verse 13, Jesus is is beginning to introduce the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the helper, the one who's going to come and stand alongside them and walk with them in his place. Verse 13, but when the truth-giving spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. He won't speak his own message, but only what he hears from the Father. And he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. And I'd say that in those two little verses, there's a whole lot of stuff that we really badly need. We need the Holy Spirit as the master teacher. We need need him inspiring us to remember. We need him unveiling the reality of truth. We need him prophetically revealing what is to come. I'm stirred by all of those, but particularly number three. How badly, how badly we all need truth unveiled, hiding amongst all those lies and deceptions. Ephesians 1 verse 17. For I I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he, this is Paul praying, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. That was the Amplified, if you hadn't guessed. The point is, the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals the heart of God. As we read here, he is the one who who gives insight into mysteries and secrets. The Holy Spirit is the one who, who, who gives us knowledge of who he really is. He's the one who deepens our relationship with with the Lord. And we really, really need that spirit of wisdom and that spirit of revelation. We need to be able to hear, which was last week, and we have to be able to see, which is this week. So, so today's questions that I, that I want to answer are, are threefold, really. Number one is, is, what do we mean by revelation? You know, how does God bring revelation to us out of, from his word, along the lines of the sorts of things that we've been chatting about in a rather one-way fashion in the last few minutes? What exactly is revelation? Number two, why is it so important? And then number three, how do we get it? That's the little journey we're going to take uh, this morning. So I'm going to start by, by defining the word revelation. And I'm going to give you two definitions. The first definition is, is unveiling a mystery. Unveiling a mystery. A bit like a, a cloth 
being pulled off to reveal what lies beneath. I'm starting, hopefully, to get your curiosity going. What is under? It's not a budgie. I wish it was. It's not a budgie. Sorry about that. What is underneath this cloth? And so Revelation is the unveiling of that mystery. It's, it's, it's that cloth being removed. It's the idea of blinkers or blindfolds being taken off so you can see what was previously hidden. The Greek word is apocalypsis. Pronounced just like that, I'm sure. And it means an uncovering or an unveiling, the, the disclosing of something previously hidden. It's always been there. I, I just couldn't see it. But, aha, there it is. And that, that's revelation. Yeah. So, so I'm going to illustrate this for you today, as, as I'm sure you've, uh, you've ascertained. Um, something in here is covered. What's under there? Well, the biblical word for what's under there is, is the word mystery. And then what we need is we need the revelation so we can see what's underneath. Right? So here we go. We're going to have a moment of revelation. I feel like there should be a drum roll. Thank you, Sammy. Again, I hope you're excited. Underneath here we have, it's a twofold revelation. Ta-da! Okay. Ta-da! What is it? Ah. ah, do you like it? Yeah, I, that took a bit of time this morning. Yeah, so we've got some cheese and some crackers and a, a bit of apple and pear chutney. Bit of bit of uh, pickle, not Branson's, I'm afraid. Other pickles do do exist. Some some grapes, just sort of some crackers to finish it off. That looks great, doesn't it? Now you know, it's a cheese tray. What once was mystery has now been revealed. It's important to know that mystery in the Bible does not mean unknowable. It's just that I can't see it yet because it hasn't yet been revealed. I'll give you a couple of examples to paint that picture. The first one would be your salvation. You see, all that Bible, all that gospel stuff used to be a mystery. You've probably heard the story a hundred times to no avail. And then that one time, it finally came alive. Why? Because the Holy Spirit revealed it to you. What had previously been hidden or muddled or confusing, what we call a mystery, suddenly became clear as day. little verse in, in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4 says, Satan who is the God of this world, blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. And here it teaches that unbelievers are blinded by the enemy. That they just cannot see. We were once like that. Until... Until light breaks through, until revelation comes and truth finally dawns. So so a couple of verses later, verse 6 says, For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts 
so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh, so much truth and so little time. So Revelation is a stepping out of darkness and into light. Out of mystery and into clarity. Out of deception and into truth. Second example, uh, you remember Saul who became the Apostle Paul. We understand that he was a deeply religious Jew. He'd been classically trained. He, He was steeped in the Hebrew scripture. But you know, he could not for the life of him see the gospel message that was hiding in plain sight. Right before his eyes, it had been there all along. He just couldn't see it until God knocked him off his horse on the Damascus road and he saw a blinding light. And in that moment, the veil, revelation, the veil was lifted off his eyes and then it all became strikingly clear. All those Old Testament types and shadows all of a sudden made sense. All all his unanswered questions suddenly found their answer in Jesus. All those promises and prophecies left unfilled now find their fulfillment in Christ. Abraham nearly sacrificing Isaac. The symbolism, all the rich symbolism of Passover on the night before their deliverance from Egypt. The the, the new king who was going to come to reign on David's throne in Isaiah chapter 9. The suffering servant in Isaiah 53. the, the, The anointed one of Isaiah 61. All of that suddenly fell into place and made sense for Saul, who became Paul the Apostle. And here's the point. The point is there are things you cannot see, you cannot know or understand, unless or until the Holy Spirit reveals them to you. So 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 says, The man without the Spirit... That's us before we become Christians. Does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, this is why our relationship with the Holy Spirit and his word is so, so, so important because you need the revealer to reveal. You need him to lift the veil, to take away the mystery. Because without that, you just can't understand salvation. Without that revelation, without that unveiling, you just can't understand righteousness. You can't understand the Father's heart until he really shows you. You can't understand things like the praying in tongues, for example. Jesus said, John 16, 14, this is the Amplified, again talking about the Holy Spirit, it says, He will honour and glorify me because he will receive, draw upon what is mine and will reveal, declare, disclose, transmit it to you. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Charles Spurgeon uh, put it like this. 
he said Christ was to send another instructor to be the person to explain Scripture, to be the authoritative oracle of God who will make all dark things light, who will unravel mysteries, who will untwist all knots of revelation and who will make you understand what you could not discover had it not been for his influence. No man, and this ties in with 1 Corinthians 2, no man ever learns anything correctly unless he is taught by the Spirit. No man can know Jesus Christ unless he is taught by God. So, so definition number one is, is that unveiling, that the cloth is removed and now I can see what once was hidden. Definition number two, revelation is light shone into darkness. So, so, so what was previously a complex or, or elusive or a mystifying concept now becomes crystal clear. Now it becomes simple, personal truth. Now, if we're all honest, we've probably all spent hours staring at pages of the Bible, and impressive though it is, clearly defined though it is, it just doesn't leap off the page to you. You don't really get it. It, it remains just, just a little bit dry and uninspiring or, or perhaps it's complex and confusing. It seems irrelevant. If you're super spiritual, if you've never experienced that before, this afternoon, just flip your Bible open to midway through Ezekiel, start reading some of those visions and you'll understand what I'm getting at. Okay, so you ready for illustration number two now? Illustration number two is this. Okay, it was covered. Then we revealed it. But actually, if you really want to get it, you've got to experience it. You've got to taste I'm a volunteer. No? You volunteering, Sammy? Oh, good for you. Well, do come over here. Please take a seat, ma'am. Just here. I'll move the leaves. Okay, you just... Um, here we go. Knife for you. Just, you know, so there's um, a bit of cheddar. I think this is, I can't remember what that cheese is called. It had a fancy name I'd never heard of, but it's very good. Catherine chose it. It's library, I think it was Pearl Wen or something. I can't remember. Have a, have a sniff. Nice. Yeah, you, you, just, you, just, you just enjoy. Just tuck in there. I'm going to carry on. That's all right. Don't, oh, don't forget the chutney. So, so the point is, it's one thing to see its cheese. It's another thing to unwrap it. It's another thing to have a sniff. I have no sense of smell, so I have to take your word on that one. There's another thing to pop it in your mouth, for it to melt on your tongue, run it through those taste buds. Because then you see it goes from awareness to experience. You see, you're all aware that there's cheese on that plate. Sammy's experiencing it right now. It goes from knowledge to understanding. It goes from head to heart, or in this case, belly. 
So, so Spurgeon paints a picture, and he says this. Let, close your eyes for a second. Imagine the scene. In, in, take a whiff of the cheese while you're at it. In some parts of the world, there are caverns filled with sparkling stalactites. It's helpful to be taught where these caverns are. That, that is teaching you truth. But it's a better thing when the guide comes forward with his flaming torch and leads you down the winding passages into the great subterranean chambers and holds his flambeau aloft while 10,000 crystals like stars vying in colour with the rainbow flash their beams upon you. So not only will the Spirit of God convince you that such and such a teaching is truth, but when he leads you into it so that you can experientially know it, taste it and feel it, then you are admitted to the innermost cave of jewels where the diamond lights up the secret mine. The point is that there's a great deal of difference between seeing a photo, maybe that's level one I think, and then perhaps level two is watching a Discovery Channel documentary. But then level three is actually going down into those caves and seeing and smelling and experiencing it for yourselves. I wonder if there's level four. Maybe level four is becoming a caving expert. I just throw that out there. Spurgeon goes on. He says, a great many Christians never get into the truth. They sit on the outside of it, but do not enter in. It's like a great nut to them. That they polish the shell and they prize it. But if they could once pierce the kernel and taste its flavour, how greatly they would be comforted. What what he's saying there is is that nut looks shiny. It's a beautiful thing. We can can be impressed by it. But, But, you know, we have to crack it open to get to the taste and the texture, and the, the aroma, and the nutrients that it contains. <laughs> Be my guest. That's okay. Good man. I love it. I love it. That's, I, chairs are empty. You see, if you do that, you get to experience its taste, and it's easy to take it back to a seat. And it's, uh, you get to experience its feel, You get to experience the smell. Otherwise, it's it's beautiful and shiny looking, but it can't do anything for you, is the point. And John, it's the same with God's Word. We need revelation to take it from awareness to experience, from knowledge to understanding, from theory to reality, from head to heart. Proverbs 4.20 says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. So much truth, so little time. In other words, we need to get deep into truth. And that truth needs to get deep into you. Just quickly, here are four things that happen when we do. Number one, when revelation comes, we get it. Finally, we get it. 
I, I think we've covered that already, but, but the essence of it is that, that, that aha moment. One of my first series back in the corporate was called Aha. That those key revelations for me that just open up the whole thing like a light shining in, and I got it, and it changed everything. We think of, of Archimedes, metaphoric, whatever the expression is, proverbial in his bar, shouting Eureka as he finally got it. Number one, when revelation comes, we get it. Number two, when we get it, it becomes clear and simple. Anyone do crosswords? Aren't they frustrating things? You can look and stare at them for hours and hours and hours, and then someone tells you the answer, and you go, oh, that's so obvious. How did I not see it? You know, I'm convinced that the art of preaching isn't to take simple things and then make them impressively but mystifyingly complex. That's not the object. The object is vice versa. To take things that appear on the outside complex and to make them as simple as you possibly can. That appeals to me because I'm pretty simple. Jesus said, I've always been compelled by the example of, of Jesus in John 3.16. Everyone knows John 3.16. It's the main, most famous verse that ever is. But I want you to notice the language in this, okay? When God so loved the world. Notice about the number of syllables in each of those words. One. No long words. When God, for God so loved that he gave his... Here's the spanner in the words. Only, that's two, son, that whosoever believed... You see how simple? I, I love that, that, that idea. You, you look at some of the most decisive verses in scriptures and look at the language. It's just so simple. It's not supposed to be a mist in the pulpit or fog in the pew, if you know that saying. In my, in my sermon prep, I, I aim, as I wrestle with the passage or the principle or the point that I'm trying to make, I'm trying desperately to seek for myself, that I can share with you a revelation that makes it crystal clear. That that inspiration that brings it to life. That that application that makes it practical for you and accessible to you. For me, that's best done on a long walk. And I'll say this, if you think my preaching's bad, you should see how bad it is before I go for a walk. For me, I'm always looking for for something fresh. Something that's spirit-breathed. I'm always looking for something now. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Not not new, but now. Something spoken right in to your circumstances. That's what the Holy Spirit does. I'm always looking for something deep enough to transform hearts and minds, and, and, and think about what deep means in this context. It doesn't mean complex. It means that it penetrates deep. Yeah. Just to flip that back to you, I've talked about my sermon prep for you. I'm convinced that you can get for yourself revelation straight from the Word of God. Amen. I'm convinced about that. Yeah. But I'm also convinced that you can get that revelation through reading books written by smart people. Do you know what? I I default to that place a lot. 
But I also believe that you can get revelation for, from listening to podcasts, from speakers who have what I would describe as a prophetic edge. And that leads on to my third point about revelation, which is that when revelation comes, it becomes personal. See, other people's revelation, including the preachers, is of limited use to you. Don't get me wrong, God, God will and can use other people as a rich source of revelation. But it must become personal. You have to take hold of it for yourself. Otherwise, otherwise it's just head knowledge. Otherwise, it's little more than just, just interesting information. Back, back to my illustration, there's, there's something about, about handling it. There's something about digging into it. There's something about getting it for yourself that makes it personal. And here's the key, until it becomes personal, it won't touch you enough to make a difference. Say that again, until it becomes personal to you, it won't touch you enough to make a difference. Because my fourth point about revelation is revelation produces transformation. You know, information doesn't change your life. And Christianity isn't meant to be interesting. I think it is. It's meant to be life-changing. And so, so revelation produces transformation. I'm not sure you can get, receive transformation in your life without some form of Holy Spirit revelation. You see, revelation enables you to see through God's eyes. Say that again. Revelation enables you to see with a prophetic eye through God's eyes. Let me, let me give you three really quick examples of that. Number one, when you truly see yourself through God's eyes, everything changes. Now, we all know what the Bible says about us, that God loves us and he died for us, and we, we get that, that's here. But until it really gets in here, until it really grabs us by the guts, as it were, until it really sinks into our hearts, until we really get it, it's just head knowledge, it's just interesting information. But once we realise who God says you are, who you now are in Christ, everything changes to a dramatic degree. Another example, when you... When you begin to see others through God's eyes, everything changes. I reckon that's a prayer we should pray a lot more for. God, help me to see what they see. Here's um, an example. Andy Stanley, he talks about, about learning to see every single person as a soul that Jesus died for. If you really, really gather, catch that, you really, really gather that, that will utterly change the way you see every single person who comes across your path. Every single one is a soul that Jesus died for and aches for. Amen. And the third one, again, just to give an example, Revelation enables you to see through God's eyes. And when you see your children through God's eyes, 
everything changes. I was really taken by the kids pastor at Christian Victory Church in Peterborough, Ontario. And she used to look at some of the, how can I put this tactfully, the slightly more challenging, demanding, difficult children. And, and, and look at them. And she used to say, you know, God has placed something in them for a reason. There's a reason why God has given them that inquisitiveness. Or God has given them that, that slight stubborn streak. Or whatever it is, it still needs to be refined. Still needs to go through the refiner's fire. But there's a reason why God has given that character to that child for a reason. I tell you, it changes the way you look at your kids. You start asking, why? why is, what is it? What looks to me like a challenge and a difficulty actually is probably the very seed that God is going to burst into greatness. Amen. You can apply this principle across the board. Revelation enables you to see this, this prophetic eye, what God sees. Okay, Time to get really practical. Final question today is, is if, if that's what revelation is, how do I get it? Yeah. It reminds me of, of in uh, Living Faith Christian Church, Collingwood, Ontario, one Thursday night. Um, I tried an exercise and I, and I gave the assembled, gathered about 20 people sitting in a circle or two. I gave them three what I thought were really stirring, exciting scriptures. I said, the exercise, I want you just prayerfully for the next five, ten minutes, just to read those, just to soak them a little bit. And I want you to just, just write down what God shows you. Great exercise, I thought to myself. Anyway, the, the room was split about 50-50. For the, te- let's say, ten minutes of that exercise, 50% of those people did not write a single word on that piece of paper. The other 50%, it was like a gushing tap. You know, the sparks were coming off the carbon. The point I'm trying to make there is, is, is that I appreciate that some of you find this even easier than others. And so my question today is, how, how can I help you a little bit? Because I'm convinced this is an area that we can all develop in. Yes, there may well still be days when I open it and I go, Hosea chapter 5, no idea. But then I might open it to something in Isaiah, and maybe on that day the light comes starting. The point is, there are principles, there are practices we can develop and grow in to, to open up this channel, as it were. I'm going to give you three tips quickly. The, the three tips are to read the word expectantly and meditatively and worshipfully. Right? That's open ears, open mind, and open heart. Just quickly, number one, read the word expectantly. The expectation is this, do I really believe that God wants to speak to me? Am I expecting his input? Am I looking for it? You know, I think we need to give him our invitation. You know, and this is, we, we can discuss this back and forth. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks by interruption. But I wonder if usually it's by invitation. I think there's a process here. First of all, we have to expect. We have to have our antenna up. We have to have our eyes open. Then I think we have to ask and say, God, speak to me. Holy Spirit, come, show me. Open the scriptures, shine your light. Then, then the next step is I think we have to listen. 
We have to give him the opportunity to speak. For me, I then record it down. I, I used to use voice recording. Now I kind of type into my notes on my phone as frantically as I can. So first of all, we expect, then we ask, then we listen, then we record. And of course, number five, we then go and do it. Amen. So I'd encourage you, as you open the scriptures tomorrow morning, six o'clock over cornflakes, read prayerfully and read expectantly with open ears. Number two is read meditatively, open mind. You know, there's a place for for that sort of deep reflection. The the, the biblical visualization is the idea of of a a cow chewing the card, chewing it over and over and over until all the nutrients have come out of it. The the visual of digging for gold, it's in there, I'm going to find it, I'm going to pan for it, I'm going to get it. Joshua 1 verse 8 says, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey. There's there's a saying which I love which which is stay in the word until the light comes. Stay in the word until the light comes. That might be five minutes, that might be 15 minutes, that might be five years, that might be 50 years. Stay in the word until the light comes. Sometimes I get that revelation. I've been staring at that verse for 30 years and now all of a sudden I see it. Practically to to help you with meditating, I'm going to suggest, you know, there are so many good translations of the Bible now available to you. They're all on your phone. I would suggest three Bibles. I would suggest, number one, I suggest you have your own personal favourite. It, it may be cloth-eared, it may be highlighted to death, it may be falling apart. Whatever the Bible is that you're used to, that you know, you can find it because you know it's in the top left corner of the page. Start with that one. Then I would suggest two more. I would suggest always using one of what we would call the more classical or perhaps more literal translations. You know, which might be the New King James Version or the, the English Standard Version is a new one or the NIV or NASV. Have one of those in your collection. And then the third one I'd suggest is one of the more modern paraphrases. I love the Passion Translation. We've, we've used the message for years. They, they've just got a way of, of shining light on perhaps that you, you've read it so many times in your own and this opens it up in a slightly different way. You might want to focus on just an individual word or perhaps a little phrase and just stay in there until the light comes. You might want to look up parallel verses that deal with the same thing. There's a tool that I use all the time on Bible Gateway online. It's a word search. Just type at the top. Search the word you're wanting. And in 0.01 seconds, no longer do you need that massive great strong concordance that's holding your wonky shelf up. Now you can get it within 0.01 seconds and out come all these verses on. I love looking at words like thirsty, words like hungry, words like seek and search. I love looking at words like that. So number two is is read it meditatively with an open mind. And thirdly and finally, read it worshipfully with an open heart. Don't have long enough really to do this justice. But you know, revelation is a spirit thing rather than an intellectual thing. And so you must open your heart, because that's where the Spirit speaks. 
Did you know that, that your heart has eyes and ears? Last week we learned that, that our heart has a voice. Voice of intuition. The voice of conscience. Ephesians 1 verse 18. I pray, Paul praying. We've already had verse 17. Verse 18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. In order that you may know. Goes on to talk about hope and talk about the riches of our inheritance and its incomparably great power to us who believe. And so because it is a, a heart-spirit thing, we have to get the heart-spirit involved. Hence for me, praying. Read the word prayerfully. For me, there's something about praying in the spirit. There's something about praying in, the, in tongues that just kind of stirs the Bible talks about the one who prays in tongues, speaks mysteries in their spirit. So praying in tongues or, or worship, worship's always a fantastic way to get your heart open wide. You know, in my experience, it often takes a while to get to that place where your mind is stilled and, and you've cultivated that receptive heart where, where God has your undivided attention. That's why for me... I, I, I so often have to take that long walk. I take a verse or an idea for a walk with me, maybe praying over it, maybe listening to some worship music and just kind of stirring things up. Those are my three tips. Read number one, expectantly. Number two, meditatively. And then number three, worshipfully. Right, wrap this up. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Revelation of God's word, has completely changed my life. There, there have been so many significant, what I call, aha moments that have utterly changed the way I see and think. And do you know what? I would love that to be like an open tap for everyone. And my hope is that, that what I've shared today just gives you a nudge in the right direction. Because the bottom line is we need... To see what God sees. And you can tell I'm, I'm preaching some foundational undergirding layers here before we expand it in the next few weeks. We need to see what God sees if we want to become a prophetic people. And this Holy Spirit revealing God's word to us is right at the very core of that. And I hope that that this morning, in a little way at least, has helped ignite that for you a little bit more. I'm going to ask uh, Phil and the team if they wouldn't mind coming forward. And uh, I'm just going to just throw before you a bit of response. Just two simple questions for you today. Number one is, are you looking? That, that prophetic eye, are you looking? Do you know, you won't see if you're not looking. I'd really encourage you to get into his word this week. Try some of these principles out. If you want a tool, uh, as a staff, we're recording bite-sized Bible. You can go find the Barn Bidford bite-sized Bible on YouTube and we'll help you with it. We're working our way through the book of Mark. So question number one, the challenge for you is, are you looking? And then challenge number two is, are you inviting? Are you inviting? You know, why, why don't you ask him? Ask him to speak. Ask you to, ask, ask him to show. Ask him 
excuse me, ask him to, to reveal those mysteries to you. Do you know what? You might be surprised. That old line, one word from God can change your life forever. Are you looking? Are you inviting? I mean, let's stand. Let's stand. I'm going to pray very briefly. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for all you've shown us from it, out of it in the past. We would not be where we are without that. But God, I'm convinced there's so much more you still long to show us. Show us collectively as a people, but Lord, for each of us, individually, as we wrestle with, tussle with the the truth and the lies, the challenges, the hurts, all of that, God, you want to shine that light in our hearts. So all we can do simply, Lord, is to offer you those very hearts. So Holy Spirit, speak to us. Please, Holy Spirit, sir, show us, shine us that light. There are areas that we're struggling with, mysteries that we just cannot get, principles that we cannot fathom. Lord, would you open it up to us? We pray you have our invitation. God, that we might be a people that see. That we might be a people that see what you see that we might be people who have an open and prophetic eye. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.